the bottles on my side until I fall down Only friend I have in this crazy town Gotta pull myself together for the next free round guys and welcome back to the spawn can talk about anything episode 55 my name is melanie with two l's because the spelling of your name doesn't change from one week to the next unless of course um that one time when my name was melanie with one l and then i changed it but i haven't changed it since so it's going to stay this way and if you want to know about that story well you'll have to ask about it on another ama episode when i do one of those i don't know when that's going to be so that opening music was from my fantastic guest, Shelly Raisbeck, who you may or may not be f- familiar with, but you probably know her work because she's worked with the likes of, you know, Meredith Brooks, Ashley Tisdale. She's had her songs featured on like Beverly Hills and R2NO all over the map. She's been in the music business longer than I've been alive. So whether you know her by name or by face or not, there's a pretty good chance that you are aware of her work because she's a songwriter. And a lot of the time, um, we don't really know who the songwriters are for a long time as an actor. I didn't really pay attention to who wrote the films and who, and I didn't understand how the importance of writers for too long, actually. And now I'm like all about the writer and all about the the director and all that stuff. That's all very important. So I'm very excited for you guys to hear what Shelly has to say, especially if you are an aspiring singer or musician, singer, songwriter, whatever. There's a lot to learn from uh, in this episode. And of course, she also delivers a live performance of her song, Bottles on My Side, which I opened the show with. But before I get to that, I just want to say how happy blessed and grateful I am. And a huge thank you to the universe, the galaxy, Jesus, God, Buddha, Allah, all the Indian gods and all the other religions that I don't know about. Um, Whichever one of you is real, I just want to say thank you so much because I'm counting a blessing. I got to watch six minutes of Tom Brady football a couple of days ago. And as you know, Tom Brady retired for 40 days and During those 40 days, it felt like that movie with that guy, Josh, whose last name I can't remember, who fell off the map. Josh Hartnett, maybe, uh, where he can't have sex for like 40 days and 40 nights, except it was like 40 dates and 40 nights of heartbreak because I thought I was never going to see Tom Brady play football again. And I was really heartbroken. So I'm counting the blessing that I got to watch him play in this preseason game. Uh, And the next time I get to see him play, he's going to be playing in regulation. And I'm so excited to have him back if this is the last season I'm going to appreciate every single moment that I get and I know somebody's listening to this and thinking oh my god it's just football but it's so much more more to me than just a a football game uh Tom Brady just means the world to me and there are a million reasons why but this is not the Tom Brady variety hour although there'll probably be another one of those soon (laughs) this is a in conversation with Shelly Ray Speck. So I'm going to shut up and throw to that because I do want you guys to dive into it and I want you to enjoy it. So here we go. Hi. Hi. <laughs> it's nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you. And so you, I heard just in the brief, what I got like a briefing. So you're a right. singer, songwriter, right. vocal coach. Right. You do it all. Right. Yeah. Um, I've done a lot. I've done yeah. a lot within, I've been in the entertainment industry since I was very, very young. Um, and 
it's, you know, at some point, like, especially during the recession, I always, you know, I've always made my living as a songwriter, always. Um, and been grateful for royalties every, you know, every quarter you get royalties and it's like, you want to go spend it. Um, um, but it, you know, sometimes you just have to adapt. And I fell into a, a vocal coaching practice that was private practice. And I taught so many wonderful, wonderful youngsters. Um, Ashley Tisdale from High School Musical. Oh, she is a dreamboat. And I worked with Ricky Luna from the new Mickey Mouse Club and therefore heard and got other uh, clients. We worked with a lot of Disney kids, a lot of Disney kids. And I'm very fortunate, you know, and I, I it was a different part of my career that I didn't expect. But um, I was always a, a recording artist and then didn't, I just got bored. I didn't want to tour, I didn't want to do all that. And uh, I signed with A&M Records Publishing Company as a staff songwriter. And one of my first, so I got to bring artists in and say, what do you think? You know, and, oh yeah, go do something with her, write a song for her. And so I, the first artist I worked with, um, well, not the first, maybe the second, was Miss Ohio, Mary Zilba. And the, the label loved it, loved the production. Um, and then later on, in, in, when I left, I was under contract and the contract ended, I, uh, I started doing, still writing, for film, television, etc., And then um, Mary called me one day and said, everybody's just saying, what a great um, recording. You got such a great vocal out of me and I'm doing some other projects. Would you be willing to coach me? And so that sort of took off, launched my vocal coaching career. Um, she wanted me to help her stylize. She wanted me, she just wasn't breathing right, you know, all that stuff. And so, it was a different part of my career. I always, I always kept writing, um, you know, because I needed to make a living. Um, but it was really rewarding, you know. It was a different part. I brought my experience to somebody like Ashley, who was extremely talented, and she was on Broadway when she was eight in Les Mis, and she wanted a different style. She had a record with the, not Disney, but Hollywood Records, I think. Was that her album that was called Headstrong? Is that the one you coached her for? Was it her first album? Or it was, was it her Drang? first record. It was her so, first so, yeah. Headstrong. I have yeah, it. Yeah, like, yeah. I have like a physical copy of that record. Wow. <laughs> wow. I, I love her. Oh, she's just, and I, I knew her family. I knew them socially. And that's how she, she came to me. And I was coaching one of her cousins, uh, who is also an actor. And, um, you know, she was, she was probably 15 or 16 when that record came out. And um, she came and she sort of auditioned for the class. And the way I, pro, pro, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but the way I always teach is, okay, okay, I'm hearing, this is your best part up here. Yeah, yeah. And here's some parts that we have to get up to there. I was always very positive. I never would say, it stinks or you know you just don't do that you know no and, but she was only 16 and she she came to one class she saw major improvement as did her folks and then um she came back she said i want to work with you three times a week please please and i said oh i can't you know you're only 16 your vocal cords are you know really just you, i had i was very professional i had to tell her i couldn't do that but eventually she got so her voice became so 
properly prepared and in shape that I let her come twice a week. And so she really, I have such great memories. I, we, I, I think we're, I, I follow her more than she follows me on Facebook, but you know, she's busy. She just had a baby. I know. And she year, looks, two years. I think it's a year. She, and she looks amazing. I, I used to, it's funny because when I was a kid, I used to sing. And so I had a vocal coach when I was like eight. I started when I was eight and I competed and I was, I was good. Like I was winning competitions. So I was singing Christina Aguilera and that's really not easy to sing. No. But then we got to this. My grandparents were so convinced that I was going to be a singer. They were willing to like mortgage their house. Like they were going to just do everything. And what happened is they both died within like four months of each other. And my father was like, singing career is stupid. It's not going to work for you. So I stopped singing. And now I sound like a cat in heat. Like, I'm sure I could, you know, you go back into the diaphragm, you do all that. And I could probably get it back if I wanted to, but it's like a lot of work. So I, I just did like a a zigzag and I went into acting because it's a little bit easier to um, teach yourself how to like control this than it is to control all of that. Because singing is really... It's physical. It is a workout. I worked with all of the Power Rangers. Remember the Power Rangers? Uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I worked with all those guys. And the, and the first one that came in said, I was trying to show him where the diaphragm was. And he said, oh, feel this, feel this. And he goes like yes. this. And I said, no, no, that is not the diaphragm. This is the diaphragm, this little teeny thing right here. And the only way to work it is exercise. Vocal, you know, vocal, vocalises. You have to do it. That's the only way you do it. And he, um, he was puzzled, but he got it. He was such, my method was very physical and he picked it up right away, formed a band, did, you know, did all kinds of things. That's amazing. Um, yeah, how, does it, how does it feel to know that like your coaching has made like so many other people have like their own successes and maybe like even, you know, formed a new dream that they didn't know they had before. How does that feel? Wow, it tickles me silly. <laughs> it really does. I, I um, I've seen so many students go on and you know do big careers. I work with Grammy-winning artists. You know, I'm Ashley, um, and then Ricky Luna from the Mickey Mouse Club. He's on. He's like Mr. DJ now in the world, and he produced a, a couple of my students. Um, but you know, it makes me feel. Blessed, just make yeah. me feel blessed, you know. And I never had a student. Well, I had one student that I said I couldn't work with anymore because he showed up twice with alcohol on his breath. Okay. And, you know, <laughs> alcohol and voice doesn't work very well, um, especially my my routines were rigorous, rigorous breathing exercises. And, yep. <laughs> I'd, have, I'd have singers go back and forth on stage and sing. And if they did, if they couldn't do a three minute song, mm. coaching, you know, you, you don't run out of breath. You don't go, I love you. You know, it's, I love you. You know, where are you going to put the breath? So I could go on for hours about it. Cause I, it's truly a skill that I, uh, I just, I, I, I it brings me such pleasure. 
That's a skill that I learned when I was doing vocal coaching too. Like they make you do, you know, the vocal warm ups, and then they teach you how to, how to breathe in between like the lyrics. Right. And so then when I would go to school, I was young and I would go to school and I'd be like in choir and other kids would be like, <gasps> and I would be like, oh my God. Cause I, you know, I knew, I know better than you and I'm in every, you know, every, and, and so, yeah, so I, I totally like connect yeah. with what, with what you're saying. I miss it. I mean, singing is, I think it's like, it's so good for the soul. Like sometimes I still do it, but it doesn't sound very good, but nobody can hear me. So that's okay. <laughs> well, you know, if you ever want some lessons, you let me know. I, I, I taught, I started teaching uh, nationally in 2005 via Zoom. Oh, wow. And Skype, I should say. And I had students all over the country. And, um, you know, they were, Zoom was new, not Zoom, but Skype was new. Mm -hmm. But I, I got the technology down. I just guided them through, do this, this, go to the left-hand corner. And, um, you know, um, rather than working with just kids in the industry, it was wonderful. I met some really talented, talented people. So if you ever want just, you know, a brush-up lesson, I'm happy to do it. Gratis. Um, oh. Let me know. Okay. It might be fun. I don't know. You know, yeah, I, I get like vibing with you on that because I do have such a passion for singing and dancing. And I, that's been my whole you life. You dance as well? Not great, but I do dance for fun. <laughs> I, in fairness, I wanted to dance and um, my parents put me in a tap dancing class. And I was one of those kids who was like, I need to be the whole show. So in between, <laughs> <laughs> in between other people's dances, I would run across the stage and go, oh, and then, oh, it was bad. But that's, I mean, it's the acting in you, you know, it's entertainment for me, at least. I think you're, it's, you're born with this instinct. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then there's someone who comes along that you see them and you're like, oh, that's me. And I was just going to ask who is, who inspired you? Um, originally, I was really into the folk scene um, in the late 60s. I just, I love folk music and, um, you know, and I also like music from the forties because my mother used to play like Andrew's sisters and things like that, or it was on the radio. She, she only had black artists in the house. She was a real jazz aficionado and we were from Kansas city, Missouri and Kansas city jazz was like a big part of that life. So that was a big influence, but Later, um, I became more um, in, in love with singer-songwriters, from Jackson Brown to, and they, you know, they keep going. I mean, I love Taylor Swift. I love, love, love her. And then I have a new favorite right now, um, but I'll go back. Um, so, you know, it was an evolving thing. And then I uh, did Top 40 for a while, and then um, I sneak in my songs and people would come up afterwards and say you really need to do these songs and so it became my passion to do just original material and i was influenced by blondie i was influenced by elton john um, i was influenced by iggy pop some real alternative artists i liked more it was sort of more my thing and then the 80s was like Great. <laughs> I mean, darn great. And uh, yeah, I was, that was crazy. We had a band in that time. So I was influenced, you know, 
I really liked alternative artists and I really liked old gospel. That was another part of our life growing up in Missouri. You know, it was, my mother was into revival tents. Okay. And I loved it. And then when she switched to like Baptist or Methodist or wherever she switched to, I'm like, this is, oh man, there's no good music. <laughs> Nobody's rolling on the ground, you know, cause she did the, that she did the revival tents, you know, where you were, you got down with the Lord. So I know all about that. <laughs> oh, you do? Really? Yeah. My grandmother, when I was quite young, they diagnosed her with uh, breast cancer. And they told her that she had seven months to live. And she decided that she was going to go to like these church things where people were singing and dancing and falling on the ground and all that. Yep. And my, my grandpa, God bless him, he was deaf out of one ear. So he would just turn off the hearing aid and he'd just be there and... And we went every Sunday with her because she wanted, she went, believed so much in a miracle. And I don't know if she got a miracle or if she just had like this will to live, but she actually ended up living seven years beyond her diagnosis. So I, yeah, we that gave me chills. She was, I don't talk about her very much because I was closer to, I was close to both, but my grandpa was more the one who was like, let's go watch this movie. And then when I would be like, I am this movie, he'd be like, okay. And my grandma would be like, no, you're not. But she was just this extraordinary lady that if you looked at her, you never would have known she was sick. She was always in high heel shoes. She was beautiful. And, and when my grandpa died, she, she was at church and I'll never forget it. This woman said, look at her. She's spending all her husband's money. And the funny thing is, is my grandma had wanted her whole life to be a high fashion designer and was actually just making her own clothes. So it was like one of a kind. It looked expensive, but it cost her like nothing to make. And so, yeah, she was just, I don't know. She was a special, really special woman in that regard. And, And I got, she was eccentric though, like a sort of like a, little bit more tame Dolly Parton <laughs> and I got it from her so now I'm like really eccentric and people are like what is wrong with you yeah. and I'm like well there's nothing wrong with me when I was like second grade my grandma put me in a mini skirt to go to school and I'll never forget it the kids they laughed at me and I cried my grandparents lived next door so I ran home and I was like I want to change and if it had just been for my grandpa he would have been like take some sweatpants and go to school and I'll never forget it. She's grabbed me by my hand and she's like, no, you're not changing. She walked me back to school and she said, they're jealous. Like you need to learn now that people are always not going to like something about you. So you're going to go back to school. And I got teased all day, but now I'm so thankful for that because it, huh. I have, I have the courage to go out and just be myself authentically. And if people want to stare at me and make a, a judgment call, that's on them. I know who yeah. I am and you yeah. know. So prop them up and show them off. We really would be like, there's Uncle Pinky. Look at him, you know? Yeah, he's a bit strange. Yeah, we love it. So colorful was kind of the whole, it's what I grew up with, you know? So that brings me back to the song, which is a story. Um, The reason I write now, I quit writing for a while and then I moved out to the desert in mm-hmm. the tree area and it started writing like crazy and that's when i wrote this song um, the bottles on my side is that 
That's yeah, name, right? Okay. Yeah. Got it. Did right. you get a chance to hear it yet? I did listen to it, yes. Oh, good. I do want to uh, talk with you about the song because it, yeah. you're bringing up a lot of stuff like color. I was asked in an interview yesterday what music does to me, how I hear it. And I said, wow, I, 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 I hear color when I hear music. It's color. You know, the bass range is a little darker and just it's not primary colors. It's not like, I don't know. But um, I don't know, I think it relates to my past and also how storytellers were in my family. You know, it was just part of the deal, little embellishments were expected, you know. And so this song is somewhat of an embellishment, but um, it's really about, have you ever heard a phrase called the first cut is the deepest? I've heard the song, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah, uh, uh, Cheryl Crow. And Miley Cyrus. Oh, it's a great, it's just a, it's a beautiful song. I think Cat Stevens originally wrote it, but um, it's so true. You know, even at my age, it still stings. That first love, you know, that got the one that got away, <laughs> I still feel it. As I think most people do, unless you hated that person or, you know, and even then, when you fall in love for the first time, there's, there's just really a special place in your heart forever. And that's what that song was about. It didn't work out. And um, I was in the entertainment industry at the time, I still am, but I was really in the entertainment industry. And so I was lonesome. I was, and you know, the entertainment industry is rough. You know, the rejections you feel get, you know, 100 letters or whatever, 100 no's, and then you get the one yes. And I was just feeling real dang lonesome. And I was at a party, and somebody came up, a friend of his, and, oh, he's seeing so-and-so, and, you know, you're nothing to him now, or whatever it was. I don't know. I don't know the story. But I remember the feeling of the story and feeling that the only person, the only thing I had on my side, giving me comfort was that bottle of whiskey that was at the party. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm serious. So bottles on my side, that's why I wrote the song. Um, and it's sort of, you know, it's a little bit humorous because, you know, I'm not like an alcoholic or anything. Oh, no. <laughs> no. No, but it's, it's more like, it was more like, well, I got, I got some, something on my side here, folks. You know, I'm not... You know, I know he left in blah, 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 but there's something here that really likes me and I like it, you know. Um, so that's why I wrote the song. It just came pretty much, it, I took a while as I do with my stories because I call what I'm doing now is storytelling with my songs. Mm -hmm. And um, it's real important to, me, important to me that I get the dialogue right, that I get the um, image right. I always... I always see something first before I even write it, you know what I mean? Or feel it before I even start. And then I start seeing all kinds of things. So I'm real proud of it. Greg Wells produced it. Um, and you know, Greg Wells produced like Katie Lang and he's worked with Adele and it was, yeah, a little, he's a Grammy winner. He had seen me um, perform it at a charity event. And I said, hey, I need to, like a producer, can you recommend somebody? And he said, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And I was like, really? 
my budget's limited. He said, no, 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 I, I want to do it no matter what. And that's how that came to be. We have some great players on that, Val McCallum, who we want to shout out to. Um, great electric guitar. And then I played the rest of the uh, instruments. I played all the acoustic guitars and some lead acoustic and the harmonica. And then, of course, the vocals and the background vocals. That's amazing. Wow, when he sent it to me, I was just, wow. It was captured so perfectly. And I've done hundreds of recordings. There's always something where you look back and go, oh, I wish I, eh. And I didn't feel this for me. Really? Really. This is the I, first I would, time? I would say maybe it's the third time I felt that, okay. you know. Um, because I had lots of recordings in my career with a and did a recording for Warner Brothers, did one for RCA, and I just wasn't happy. It didn't capture it. And so kudos to Craig. He really, he really captured it. So We have very similar sort of, not exact, but like very parallel sort of stories. My, I always say it. My first love was my grandfather. Like I just adored him from, I asked him one day, he because he was saying you know when you grow up you get married and I was like to who and he was like you marry somebody that you love and I was like oh I'm gonna marry you and he was like no no I have a wife and I started to cry and I was like you don't love me like we were so close that this man came to daycare with me because I wouldn't go without him we were very close and I remember my grandma she was so religious you know and she was like if you pray God always answers your prayers and I remember just being in the hospital, I was 10 and he was on, you know, life support and I kept praying and that he would wake up. And then when he didn't, I was like, there is no f fucking God. And there's like, what kind of God would give me this wonderful man? And I still to this day have never recovered from that loss because I've never met anybody who was like him. And he, if, if, if I have any sort of career as an actor, I owe him that because he showed me my first movie which was the wizard of Oz. And then I lived it for four years and he was every skit, every tin man, every whatever character I needed, he would indulge that. So when I lost him, I lost, I always say, I feel like I lost myself and I'm, I'm trying, I'm in the process of writing a screenplay about us, like our little story, because it's not normal, but it's beautiful. And I want people to hear this story the same way that you wanted to hear your song. And the first time I went to LA, I was quite a bit heavier. And I thought maybe I'm not meant to be an actress because I'm not pretty enough or whatever. And as well, I tell this story a lot. Everybody's heard it a million times. I was walking down the street or you're in LA, right? You know the area? No, I moved out to the desert six years ago. But I you know the, the, area, the LA area. Oh, I know LA really well. <laughs> so I was walking up La Brea towards sunset where the burger king is you know there's like a gross plaza yeah the i know exactly king. where my office was there my recording oh. <laughs> studio was there. yes there. and this yellow lamborghini pulls over and says excuse me are you an actress and i'm like oh great some creepy guy like it's la um, nope and i kept walking and i'm grateful that he was persistent because he rolled down the window and he yelled out the window and i turned around and i was about to tell him to go fuck himself and he had no sunglasses on and he very politely said my name and before he could finish everything like this and I'm like yeah I know your name is Quentin Tarantino I know I'm so sorry 
And he was like, can you get in my car, please? Because like he wanted to talk to me. We were holding up traffic. So I got in the car. We pulled into the Burger King parking lot. What? Yeah, this is, I honest to God. And he, my, my agent had just told me I was, you know, not pretty enough to be a blonde and all of this. And he was like, fuck them. Do you know how many people told me that I was too ugly to make a movie? Now they can't pay me enough to make a movie. Like he was so nice to me. And he took my information and he's just like, he turned out to be completely opposite of what people would expect. So beautifully kind hearted. And then I, as I was leaving, I'm like, I hate to ask, but can we take a picture? Because no one is ever going to believe me. Uh-huh. Yes, of course. And then uh, uh, someone who I look up to big time is Brian Cranston from Birth Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. And I look at him Amazing. and I wanted to meet him. And I'm like, I'm going to the film festival. I'm going to meet Brian Cranston. But I didn't know that at the film festival, there are like thousands of people trying to meet the same person. <laughs> it didn't happen. But uh, this guy... <laughs> Marlon Brando that's my number one guy and this woman crossed the street and I didn't know who she was and she was like my name is Robin she was directing the film that Brian was in and then we kept in touch and six months later she introduced me to Brian like this close we were talking I had the best experience and it turned out that she her and her husband Nicholas Kazan who of oh course Aaliyah Kazan <laughs> yes and then she knew that I loved Marlon and she didn't tell me anything and when when I got to the thing uh her husband was like did you want to ask me something and I was like no why and he was like because I know that you love Marlon and I was like oh yeah I do but I didn't realize that you know who he was and he just told me like these very beautiful stories about who Marlon was as a human which is what I really wanted to connect with I know the movie star I wanted to know was he like really the broken man who with a big heart that was just broken that I thought. And he was like, yeah, that's exactly it. So I was like, you got this amazing producer who was willing to help you. I had these people who, who are like the, the son and daughter-in-law of Marlon Brando and Brian Cranston is in my life and Quentin wow. Tarantino stopping me. And it's like all these signs, like these amazing people who come in and tell you like when you just, when you think that's time to quit, something yeah. always comes along and says, hold on a second. And it sounds like that's kind of what happened for you as well. And you know what it is? Um, I've had many relationships since I guess I'm I'm hard to, I don't know. I, I, I have, (laughs) I get bored. I hope nobody's listening, but I do, I get bored. (laughs) And like, usually the first nine months are okay. And then I'm like, "Uh." (laughs) I'm terrible. So I have been single now for because I want to be, I don't even know how long, five, 10 years. Like, I don't want to, you know, I meet people all the time out here. I'm like, I, I, I don't date. I don't want to date. I'm happy. Well, that really makes them like you more. It's the most amazing thing. But um, what I was going to say is uh, what I do every morning is I count my blessings. And I know it sounds really corny but I do and you know little things like taking my dog to the dog park or having special time with my cat or a good meal or today I ran a stop sign and I pulled over and I went I was I had a lot on my mind and it happens but blessing blessing that I wasn't hurt blessing that nobody else was coming um 
You see, I, I count things like that. I, it, when my dog wakes me up in the morning licking me, I count each lick. He can do a, a, a lick and a half in a second. So that is my fundamental thing uh, in terms of how I ground myself, how I write, where I write my stories from. They just have to be honestly truthful. Um, and the reason I bring that up is I have conducted my professional life that way as well. Like the first deal I ever got, I was having um, I was having dinner in an Italian restaurant in LA, heart of LA, probably on, I don't know, a fancy restaurant with a friend. We were giggling and just carrying on, uh, a friend of mine. And the two males next in the next booth finally said, oh my God, you guys are hilarious. What do you do? And I said, well, I'm a singer songwriter. And he said, well, send me some of your stuff. We work at Warner Brothers. Sent them my stuff. I was in the studio that weekend, you know, wow. just being myself. That seems how, how fortunate and blessed my career has been. There's been ups and there's been downs, but just being myself, being like a goofball, they didn't expect that. They didn't expect, you know, what they heard, which were, you know, three original great songs and that they fell in love with. Um, it's just, uh, it's like, I'm telling you this because your story with Brian Cranston and Quentin Tarantino is kind of this, it, it resonated for me. Like, you're just being yourself. Okay, yeah, kick me, tell me I'm not good enough. And you're walking down the street and somebody comes by. You know, that's the real shit. You know, that's how stuff happens. Um, so I was just relating back to you about that story. Yeah. It's almost a song, you know. Brian actually changed my life in about 30 seconds because at the time that I met him, I was my friend, my best friend who had just killed himself. And I was just going through a lot and I was heavily depressed and I was on medication for it, but it didn't really help. It just numbs you, you know, and I, I had all my fake hair extensions and my lashes and I had my nice dress on and he looked at me he turned on his foot, Robin introduced us and he looked at me and he said, what's wrong with you? And I thought he thought I was like crazy or something. And I said, there's nothing wrong with me. And he was like, I am too old. And I have been through too much not to see that there's pain in your eyes. And I was like, well, you know, I used to watch you on Malcolm in the middle and I always wanted a dad like you because I didn't have a dad. And this man starts to cry and he just grabs me and he goes, I'll be your dad. I'll be your fairy godfather, whatever. And in that moment, it was like the movie Aladdin, you know, at the end when he sets the genie free, that's how I felt. And I, he, he really changed my life in like a second, but Mm -hmm. the odds of meeting Brian were so slim that to get to be in that room with him for me at that moment was just like mind blowing and then he sent me, you know, videos and stuff to keep me motivated. And it's not just him. I have the wonderful Mandy Patinkin. He's an amazing oh, singer. I love his work. I love his work too. And I've known it since I was a kid. And I did a thing, you know, Mandy doesn't have a ton of young fans. So I waited for him at the film festival. I waited all day just to see him. I just wanted to tell him thank you, like for in- inspiring me. And I had this stupid sign that I had made him and he knew that I had did it because I had told him and he came right to me and he was clapping and we had a chat and then COVID hit 
it was my birthday and he obviously knew that I was going to be down because it's COVID. And I get this birthday message from Mandy singing me happy birthday. And he's Whoa. like, he's like, I am rooting for you and you're going to make it. And when you do, please remember me because I'm old and I need young people to give me work. Mm-hmm. And I started laughing. And then at the same time, I thought about every single kid that was like, you can't do that. And then I was like, I don't care if they don't think I can't do that. If a man that I've looked up to my whole life is looking at me and saying, you can do that. You just have to keep working, work really hard. So what does that tell you about you, that you are attracting these kinds of people? You know, because I, see, I have, I have the same experience. I'm just, when I am most real, is when I'm I always people. just me. Yeah. Yeah, that's when I attract amazing people in my life, when I am just real. That's how I, I met Greg Wells, you know. Um, I was at, uh, I was a, a staff songwriter, and he came in. I think I was selling some equipment. He bought some equipment. I mean, and he, I was just real. I was happy at doing what I was doing. Get, probably gave him a deal on the patch bay that was folding. <laughs> it was, and we stayed in touch, and then I sort of took him around. Um, I wouldn't say take him around, but I recommended for him for other jobs. He played for, you know, and he built his career up. But I think that's what happened. So the reason I ask you that question is there's something about you. There's something about me. There's something about most people when they're real. I'm attracted to that. I'm attracted to, I'm not trying, I'm terrible at cocktail parties with that. Stupid chatter of, oh God, kill me now. I'd rather be painting my stucco. Out loud. Right, yeah. I mean, I have to do it sometimes, and I do meet people that are real. But um, it's a real process. Like, it's a, remember old flower sifters? Oh, yeah. My grandma had one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) My grandma had two. I didn't. I have never had one. But that's what it's like. You have to go through the parties and go, here's some real good stuff over here. Um, I don't know. I just put that out there because I, I my whole career, um, my writing career has been varied. Um, at one point, I was a, a project writer, but somebody would call me in the industry mm. and say, we need a country western song for this film. Can you do it? And I, I'd produce it, sing it, play the instruments, and get it to him the next day. That was a project. But when I didn't want to do that anymore and started writing from my heart again, um, it's a whole different world. You know, it's real. You go deep. And that one part of my career that I'm grateful for because I get royalties, um, <laughs> really grateful. Um, it's a part of me that's a skill, that was a craft. But my stories, you know, when I've got my guitar, you want to see her. Ooh, does she have a name? Yep. Ooh, what's her name? Maybelline. Oh, I like it. (laughs) Look at that. Look at that arched back. It's a beautiful guitar. Thank you. She's old. I only buy vintage instruments. I think, I don't know if it's because I spent so much time with my grandpa as a kid. And I was like this loser kid who had no friends and who didn't care that her best friend was an old man. I appreciate vintage and old more than like shiny and new, which is why there's this picture of Marlon Brando behind me. Yeah. Because huh. I get I that love, from you. I get that. 
I love him. And what, going back to the question that you ask, I think because I did, there was a point in my life, you know, when you're like 16 and you just want people to like you, you don't really care how they like you or why you just want them to like you. And I put myself in a box that wasn't my box and I tried so hard to fit in and it didn't really work. Like I had these friends, but they weren't really my friends. And I was faking my, who I was, like, it wasn't really me. And then one day I was like, I can't do this anymore, you know? And so. Did you, was it really that kind of epiphany or was it more it, of a. Well, this is what happened. My father. Was it a, a situation that made, made the change or. I think it's a little bit of both. My father had been pressing me. You're going to go to college. You're going to go to college. And I had it in my heart that I was going to be somehow, some way, I was going to be an entertainer. That's what my grandpa wanted for me. My father was absent most of my life. He still is. Um, and the day that I was supposed to go to college, I looked at my mom and I said, I can't do this. And she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, I want, I want to be an actress. And she was like, okay. Like she, at first she thought this is silly, but at the end of the day, the person who wanted to be an actress, that was the me that was three years old in my grandpa's living room. And that's who I really am on. Even now I'm the same person I was at three years old. It's Can just, I interrupt for just a second? Yeah. Do you ever like write just because I'm a writer mm -hmm. and your stories are, are really good stories. And I'm just wondering <laughs> if you wrote, no, I, I'm serious. You know, I'm not trying to write a screen. I don't say, I don't say stuff. I don't mean I don't, um, but not so much a screenplay as it's however you want to do it. Um, I just was wondering if you ever treated yourself to either recording yourself talk, well, you're doing that now. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a thought. You have um, you have a an interesting take on things. You know, treat yourself. I hope you know treat yourself because and explore that because you have a good way of talking about things. Oh, sense? thank you. I've just, I've always known who I was. And I have this theory that the reason grandpa never told me to stop with the Wizard of Oz is because he knew who I was going to be before I did. Like he was, uh, people were see, watching. That, that, that's, right? that's a story right there. He yeah. Knew. That's he the was, opening line. Even if my mom told me the day that I was born, she said, I had my baby and I was so happy I had my baby. And my dad walked in and stole my baby because I just grabbed his finger and that was it. Like I was, we were just, it was almost like we had been through like a lifetime before. Mm -hmm. And my grandpa had this fascination with cameras, never in front of, always in behind. So I always wondered if he was maybe a, re a repressed artist, a repressed uh, filmmaker of some kind. Yeah. And it was a beautiful thing. And so, yeah, I've always been, Whoever it is I was with him is who I am. And that's who I always come back to at the end of the day. And sometimes people say, you're too much or you're too loud or you're too whatever. And going back to me saying, I can't go to college. The whole reason that I couldn't do it is because I can I could, and I can live with my dad not being proud of me, but I can't live with the idea that if there's even a 1% chance that my grandfather can still see me that I'm not pursuing what he yeah. knew was for me and what I know is for me. So I, that's great. I, I, yeah. I love, I love, I love the old and I love people Have who you are. Have that song by Winona Judd, Grandpa? Yes. Oh, heartbreak. Nope. Speaking of them, 
This song would be great for Winona Judd. The bottle's on my side. It would be great for her. You, and were just you a fan? Them, oh, I loved them. I loved the Judds. They were, I mean, I've been fans at least since the 90s. I love like really old classic country like Hank Williams. Oh yeah, my grandpa used to play all that. Uh, there you go, George Pretty. Jones. Yeah. Oh man, that was the shit. <laughs> that was the shit. Those talk about stories, and that that really that really moved me. But what was I going to say? Um, oh, so I, I'm just so you know, as part of the interview, what I'm doing with this song, I have to perform it, and and yeah, because it's really yours. Well, no, I have to perform it to promote it. Um, Do you but want to perform I, it on here? Oh no! I, I, if you, you want can. me, I, oh. you don't. You could do that because I had a guest cool. on here who did that once, and it and people really loved it. So we could, sure, we could do I'll that. Play a little bit of. I'll play a little bit of the song. Sure. Um, so what I'm doing, the reason I have this whole campaign going, is I want other people. I would like Winona to sing this song. I would like Nora Jones to sing this song. I would like Haley Williams. I don't know if you know who she is. She's amazing. Yes, she's an amazing singer. She's Par yeah. Paramore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she mostly writes her own stuff, but like alternative artists, country artists, there's so many of them out there. That's Dolly Parton. Yeah, she doesn't need, she writes everything herself and keeps the publishing. So I let me play her. a little bit. Go for I want to play um, just an intro into the bridge um, because the bridge figure to me well, I'll play the I'll play a bunch of it, but I'll stop at the bridge because the bridge figure um, to me is what the song's all about. Okay. Okay. Can you hear it? Yep. <laughs> at a party singing in the middle of the room. Getting sentimental. I've had more than just a few. But the bottle's on my side until I fall down Only thing I have in this crazy town Pull myself together for the next free round Drinking And I'm slowly sinking I don't do much thinking All I do is dream about you And I'm broken Wishing and I'm hoping Never been so lonesome All I do is dream Dream, dream, dream about you The fireplace has your face In each and every flame It was a long time ago I know but it feels like yesterday But the bottle's on my side until I fall down Only friend I have in this crazy town Gotta pull myself together for the next free round Baby, I'm drinking And I'm slowly sinking I don't do much thinking all I do is dream about you Yeah, I'm drinking And I'm slowly sinking I don't do much 
thinking All I do is dream really beautiful thank you you're thank welcome you. and I, so I a little bit but i think sometimes playing it for somebody it feels good you know as you we were talking earlier it feels good to sing it There's does something about it singing next, and acting next time I, I record you've got to do some backgrounds oh, i don't I'll know if i can shape. i'll try but <laughs> I would love to eventually, you know, get back into that, into singing. But yeah. right now I'm really focused on the acting because I want to tell stories. And right. I feel this is going to sound so silly, but like when my grandpa died or for example, five, six years, or maybe eight years, I don't remember. My mom was very sick and she was like, I'm going to die. And I'm like, no, you can't. Like everyone has left me. I have no wow. one, just you. And she was so sick and she wouldn't go to the hospital. And then finally something happened and it hurt so bad that she was like, I have to go to the hospital. We were at the hospital for several hours and they were sending her home. They said she had kidney stones and this doctor, he must've been in his seventies came running after my mom. And he said, you need to have surgery now, or you're going to be dead in four hours. She had an ulcer that had like split and she was like septic. And I thought, you know, this is it. This is the end. And, um, she had to stay at the hospital for, you know, after the surgery for like mm-hmm. a, two weeks and I was alone at home and all I did was watch. How old were you at this time, by the way? I'm interviewing mm-hmm. you now. How old were you? <laughs> old enough. <laughs> I mean, were you in your teens? Were you in your twenties? Honestly, what happened to me was when my grandpa died, I honestly stayed 10 for so long. I stayed a kid that I'm still am a kid. My mom was sick and then oh, you know, depression sure. hits and things like that. You know, I, I'm so proud for you. 20. I, I, I pray. I don't Aww. know if you do, but I pray to stay in the, stay to stay, to stay present. I pray to my, my grandfather. And, I tell you, every time, I, I actually have some friends who do a prayer circle. It sounds real corny, but it's not like that. It's just no, visualizing no. like somebody, visualizing somebody getting better visualizing healing thoughts for them i have a friend who was just diagnosed with something bad and i do that every day and you know what she's getting better i have never had it not work it's wild but i'm just saying um just something positive that you throw out there to people um that that need it you know it helps you your soul yeah I've done a lot of, you know, for other people, not because I was obligated or whatever. Like, for example, a couple of years ago, I tried to kill myself and I very nearly died. And it was the stupidest thing I ever did. And I don't know how I survived it, but I did. And I'm thankful for that. And then I found out that kids who are like LGBTQ are killing themselves at like an alarming rate. And I'm like, I have to do something. So I went online. Um, I used my Twitter. We raised like $40,000 for a, a anti-suicide for the Trevor project. And one of my favorite actresses, I was doing it to honor her for her birthday, Diana Agron. She, she matched it. So it ended up being double, 
which yeah. was amazing. And then a friend of mine a couple of years ago, his uh, nephew was uh, three years old, diagnosed with cancer, <sighs> almost died. I'm uh, right away. I was like, everyone like prayers. If you, if you can't yeah. afford to donate, like it's free, your, your, your thoughts and your prayers are free. Uh, he got better. See, that's a good point. Again. I'm going to write that point down. Hang on. Go for if, it. If you can't afford to donate. Like to donate or give, just pray. It's free. Pray. Like, you know, elections are coming up. I'm on this, man. I'm going all out on what I believe. I'm on it. And I don't mind going to the polling center and talking to people and getting people out to vote because I don't have a whole lot of resources to donate. You know, and I did that you know, last election just blew through the water money um, because I, I believe, you know, um, but I was going to tell you something. Oh, oh, I, back to my song for just a second. Yeah, yeah. No, don't, what, don't apologize. What did you say? What did you, when I played live, was it a different uh, feeling that you had than hearing it? Yes. Really? Huh. What, what was the feeling? I How think different? when you hear somebody play a song live, you hear the soul, the like their heart and soul is being poured out differently than on a record where it's polished and it's perfect. When you sing it live, it's it's beautiful. But like as somebody who used to sing, I know it's not always perfect, right? There are like maybe a moment or whatever, but you're thinking about it too. And and so I feel sounds weird. I can feel what you're thinking, if that makes sense. I can feel well, like it, it's projecting. And that's what I was saying. Well, when my mom was in the hospital, I watched Robert De Niro movies constantly. And I was like, this is my only friend in the whole world is Robert De Niro. And I messaged his publicist and I told him that. And he was like, I need to, you need to tell Bob that you need to tell him that. Yeah, and I, yeah. and I was able to, and, and I asked him on a date. It was the funniest thing ever. I was like, Robert, I like to go for a date with you. And he was like, I could be your grandpa. And I was like, you know, but he has like this youth, like, I don't know how to explain it. Like a young soul. Like when you look into his eyes, he's got this young soul. And you know, the, and the neat thing about him, he's married to a black woman. He's not married anymore. So I asked him on a date. <laughs> All of his ex-wives were, were black women. I don't know. He's just a progressive guy. He's real. He's true to himself. That's what I loved. That's why I think I loved and still love and admire and aspire to be like Marlon Brando because he understood racism, like classism, all of that before it was a popular thing. He was already telling people, let's fix it now. Yeah. Like I've watched so many interviews of him. Have you seen uh, Rita Moreno, the, the movie? The, oh, Rita Moreno. Oh, yes. Have you yes. seen that documentary? No. But she, you have to. She talks about him, and it's you know she still says he's the love of her life. He's the love of my say, life too, and I've never met listen, the guy. I'm um, grateful to have had you here. I'm because you. I feel like I learned from you. I, I love that when I learned from someone else too. I'm just very chatty. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> well, no, I was expecting as much because of your your handle. Uh, this blonde can talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about about anything. Actually, I didn't come up with that name. Someone else did, and then I, I don't know. But it's a great. It's great. Oh. Um, so again, soon, if you want, I'm going to have some yeah. other songs come out, and I'll, and uh, you know, Dominic, my publicist, he's amazing. Um, he's and I friends with a shout friend. out to yeah. him. What? Oh, he's friends with a friend of mine. So that's how oh, I, we just yeah. figured that. Out. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
I looked at your social media and you don't have that many followers. So what is your social media so we can get those that up? Well, here's what happened. I wanted to release the single um, because I didn't know how to do a social presence. And um, now that the, the single's done, I'm writing like, I have at least four more songs I have to finish. So what I've decided to do is bring those followers up. I don't know how exactly. I can help you with that. I love to help other people like grow their socials because I really feel this is a business where if you win, I win. We're, it's a family. It really yeah. is. It's a family. So and it's, I would it's be good with you if you connect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we did. Yeah. I have like an old soul and a very young. You do. And yeah. I think that's because of your relationship with your grandpa. I, I, I do too. And, and it him must have been, and oh, I could talk about it forever, but when I was weird. a little girl, when I, it was a very troubled childhood and I took a job at a convalescent hospital at 13 and I was singing at the troubadour. Uh, is, yeah. I was yeah. 13 years old singing my original song. It was just one night. It was, but it was pretty impressive. I would stay after my shift at the uh, convalescent hospital, which was now still called nursing homes, but um, just to talk to those people, man. I do that too. Such a gift. Man, they knew music, they knew old actors, and many of them who were still had their wits about them. It was just an enriching experience. So we have that in common. And also the biggest figure in my life that was good is my grandmother. Just I'd love to hear more about her next time when we chat. You could tell me more. I'm writing about a song her. about her. Oh, so, yeah. It's called Lila Marie. And I'm real oh. excited about it. It's a ballad. And then you can tell me about how you worked with Meredith Brooks. You'll have to tell me about that too. Boy, I have a good story about that. Yeah. What a, she's a. Uh, Do you remember her song, Bitch? Yeah, I worked on that record. I was calling the radio to get that song on. And of course, I don't want my mom to hear me. And I'm like, can you please? play bitch and my mom comes in and she's like what and i'm like it's a song it was clever don't you think it was she clever. loves it now yeah it was yeah, clever. it was a clever song she wrote it with another writer shelly piken um and shelly piken and i uh we knew e of each other so i think she was on my label for a while but anyway i hope that you come up with some more uh i hope that you're right i'm just feeling that you need <laughs> You know, I'm very nurturing, but I, I really think you need to write. I'm getting that there's so much in you. I'm so glad Thank we you met. Did. Thank you yes. for coming on my crazy little show. <laughs> I loved it. I loved every Aww. second of it. So you're yeah. a doll. Week. So are you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And you're beautiful, by the way. Now I really love you. <laughs> so that was my chat with Shelly Ray Speck, singer-songwriter, musician for many, many years. Um... I say um too much. I notice that while in playbacks and I'm trying really hard not to say it, but it keeps happening. It's almost worse than saying like too much, which I also do, but that's not the point here. I hope you enjoyed the interview and I hope that you will check out uh, Shelly's Shelly's music. Um, the Bottles on My Side is available on Spotify and Apple Music. I'd give you her socials, but I don't actually know what they all are because she didn't uh, she can give them all to me, but I will make a link tree with all her socials. If you guys want to like interact with her, talk about her song, let her know your thoughts. You can do that. If you want to interact with me and tell me your thoughts or, or make suggestions on guests or future topics, you can find me on Twitter at 
a blonde who talks, A-B-L-O-N-D-E-W-H-O-T-A-L-K-S. And I will always do my best to respond to you. I have to make sure I say hello to my dearest and oldest friend, Bobby, because if I don't, he will send Chucky to my house to kill me. I'm not joking. If I forget to say hello to this man, he he just blows up my phone. Something wrong with him <laughs> in the best way. I am, this is usually the time of year where I would do like an NFL preview. I'm not doing that this year because I made some really bold predictions last year that I was quite embarrassed of afterwards and I don't want to jinx anything. So I am not making any bold predictions, but Tom Brady was just voted number one in the league by his peers. So maybe I'll predict him as league MVP. Maybe, maybe. You know, in my heart, I'm saying yes, but I don't want to jump the gun. So there's that. I got to thank my sponsors, of course, before I I check out um, the TB12 method. They don't know they're sponsoring me. They don't pay me, but every week I plug them. (laughs) Um, So maybe one of these days they'll find out that they're getting this all this free promotion. It's something that I really believe in and something that I really live by. So I'm happy to share it with you guys. My official sponsor... Huxwear, which is camel toe innovation underwear. I don't know how to explain it. I'm not feel so uncomfortable talking about underwear, which is a weird thing, but um, yeah, it eliminates camel toe. It's moisture wicking. It's great for the gym. It's great for like odor, getting rid of odors and things like that. Go check them out on Instagram at Huxwear, H-U-X-W-E-A-R. Unfortunately, there is no men's line at Hux. This is a, a woman, a female ran brand and they haven't made men's uh, underwear yet, but I'm going to bring it up to them because, <clears throat> excuse me, that's, that's wrong. They should have both. <clears throat> oh my God. Excuse me again. Not that men have camel toe, just the whole, you know, the sweat and the, the moisture wicking and all that. That might be a good idea for men. I don't know. I'm not in the underwear business probably for this reason. (laughs) So I had so much fun chatting with Shelly Ray. Next week, I have another guest joining me. It might be Pei, or it might be an actress, a wonderful, talented actress. But either way, they're great options, both wonderful people. One is a dear friend of mine. And I just love chatting with, you know, people who are my friends and people who are in my industry. So thank you for tuning in tuning in so much that as of this recording, this one can talk about anything is charting on Apple podcasts in Canada, United States and United Kingdom. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That is something I never expected and it's incredible. So if you are listening to it on Apple uh, podcasts, make sure you leave a review there. And if you're listening to it on Spotify, make sure you leave a review there. Um, All of this helps but the podcast is also available on Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher. It's available everywhere. There's no reason why you can't be listening to this podcast right now, no matter what device you have. So no excuses. Share with your friends. If you if you enjoyed it, share it with your friends. If you didn't enjoy it, well, I'm sorry, but uh, I can't pander to everyone. <laughs> so again, thank you for tuning in. I want to say I hope you have a great day, week, month, year. And if this is, you know, the last time that you're ever going to tune into this podcast, thank you for coming. And I hope that you have an amazing life ahead of you. And I mean that sincerely. 
So yeah, thank you so, so much for tuning in, for helping me chart for, you know, the amazing reviews on Spotify that have me at five stars, which is just mind blowing because all I do is really ramble about things that I, I'm not sure most people care about. You're all wonderful. You're all beautiful people. Um, I'm sending you all my love and I'm closing out the show with Shelly Ray's song, The Bottles on My Side, which is available on iTunes and Spotify. So check it out. Let me know what you think about it. And I'll be back next week. Bye. Drinking and I'm slowly sinking. I don't do much thinking. All I do is dream about you. And I'm broken, wishing and I'm hoping. Never been so lonesome All I do is dream